Hi, and welcome to Office Hours, the podcast of Westminster Seminary, California, that takes you inside the seminary and face-to-face with our faculty. I'm Scott Clark. Today, I'm talking with David Vendronen, Robert B. Strimple, Professor of Systematic Theology and Ethics at Westminster Seminary, California. David is author of A Biblical Case for Natural Law and uh, editor of Pattern of Sound Doctrine, Essays in Honor of Robert B. Strimple. His most recent book is The Law is Not of Faith, to which he contributed and which he co-edited with Westminster uh, Seminary California faculty members Brian Estelle and John Fesco. These titles are available through the bookstore at Westminster Seminary California, wscal.edu slash bookstore. Hi, Dave, and welcome to Office Hours. Thank you. First of all, Dave, tell us when and you became Reformed. How did you come to the Reformed faith? Well, I had the advantage of being born uh, into a Christian family and being raised in the Christian Reformed Church, and so really my upbringing was in Reformed tradition. Uh, I was uh, had some catechetical training in my youth and went to uh, Christian school and in my family, so I, I really was born into uh, Reformed Christianity, and certainly I've grown in that and developed in my understanding of that. Uh, but I'm very grateful that um, really as far back as I can remember, it was uh, a Reformed type of Christianity that I was raised with. I, I can imagine someone listening to this podcast who, you know, perhaps comes to Reformed Christianity or maybe is looking at it from the outside, and and uh, they probably are wondering, what's it like to grow up as a, as a young person, as a child in the Reformed faith? Talk about your childhood. What, what is it like going to church, I assume, twice every Lord's Day, uh, attending catechism classes, uh, and going to Christian school? What, tell us about that. Well, I think when it's happening, you don't necessarily know that there's anything unusual about that. Uh, you're right. I grew up uh, going to church twice every Sunday, going to the Christian school. Uh, after dinner every night, we read the Bible and prayed as a family, and uh, these are things, obviously, that so many people, even in, in all sorts of Christian homes, uh, don't experience. And looking back, uh, I, can, I can see that I was spared from a lot of silliness that uh, infects the Christian world because of this upbringing. Uh, I think I learned the Bible pretty well from an early age. I, I started reading it on my own, and I was, I was taught the Bible, and uh I think there are a lot of things that I just absorbed um, about Reformed Christianity that wasn't necessarily presented to me as Reformed Christianity. That wasn't necessarily that I knew even that that's what I was getting. Um, but it's uh, it's a real privilege, and it's something that I'm glad that I can hand along, uh, along to my son. And um, Reformed Christianity is obviously always taken very seriously training our children. Uh, we believe that they're members of Christ's church, and um, it's something that bears great fruit uh, for them uh, later in life. Now, David, um, I, I'm, and I'm not here. When I ask this question, I'm not asking about any kind of conversion experience, but your parents and your teachers, your pastors, um, did they just assume that you, you were a Christian, or, or how did they talk to you about the faith as you grew up? Did they challenge you to make sure that the things that you were teaching weren't just formal, and um, did they challenge you to take them seriously, to appropriate them personally? 
Definitely. There was, I, I don't remember, uh, at least on any kind of regular basis, being challenged as if I needed to convert. Uh, I was certainly treated by my parents, by pastors, uh, by uh, teachers in uh, the church and school as a believer, as one who was part of Christ's church. Um, but there was certainly that challenge to be believing the things that I was being taught, uh, to be walking in a, in a consistent manner, uh, to be reading the scriptures, um, and to be praying. And all of those things were, uh, were obviously very important, but they were not done in the context as if I was somehow outside the church and needed to be brought in, but really to be living in a manner that's consistent with what I already was. So you, you are a, a true child of the covenant and, and benefited from and received all of those be- benefits of the covenant of, of grace. Um, so tell us about your, you know, your education going through college, how, and, and particularly I'm interested in your sense of vocation. Wh- when and how did you begin to develop a sense, hey, you know, maybe I should, I should go into pastoral ministry? I don't really recall anyone when I was, oh, junior high, high school, uh, challenging me to think about the ministry, which in hindsight I think is is too bad that that didn't happen. And I think that doesn't happen in a lot of churches, and it's actually one concern that I have uh, as, a, as a minister of the gospel today is to, uh, to have the church do a better job to challenge its uh, godly, intelligent young men, uh, even when they're quite young, to be thinking about... Uh, pursuing the Christian ministry. Um, so I went off to college not even really thinking about that as a potential thing that I wanted to uh, do with my life. Uh, there was really a confluence of events, really, in my first and second year of, of college. Uh, I went to Kelvin College in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, and uh, I began, it, it, in my first year, getting more interested in theology than I'd ever been. I, I really had never been interested in reading theology. I, was, I took my Christian faith very seriously, read the Bible, but I didn't really read theology. And I started reading some theology and becoming interested in it. Um, I don't remember exactly why it was, but I ended up reading uh, Ned Stonehouse's biography of J. Gresham Machen, uh, I believe it was be- the summer between my first and second years of college. And I had made a, a very good friend uh, my first year of college who was pursuing the um, ministry. He was in a, a, a pre-seminary kind of program, and that got me thinking about some things. And then reading the uh, the Stonehouse biography and reading about Machen and his experience, and it was also at the time when there were some uh, pretty significant controversies going on in the, in the uh, Christian Reformed Church that made me start thinking about the church and its well-being. And I think it really began for me as, as a concern for the church and a real interest in theology that I began, began thinking seriously about uh, going to uh, seminary after college. I think it probably for me began not so much as this great internal sense that I had to be a, a minister of the gospel as to concern for the church and concern for, for theology uh, became very important to me. And uh, as, as time went along as I finished college and then uh, came to Westminster Seminary, California as a student, that sense of a, of a call to the ministry grew, and it was uh, affirmed by the church. So that's, that's really the origins of how I came from really not having any, any sense of pursuing the ministry, really never considering it to, uh, to, to, to my uh, interest and career really turning in that direction. 
It's interesting that you you trace it to reading a biography. I, I, that's something I didn't know. I because uh, I I remember where I was when I read Stonehouse's um, biography. I was a seminary student, and I I was out here, and uh, it was gloriously warm weather in January, I think, and and I was sitting on the balcony uh, of the uh, of the apartment, and I I think I sat there for an entire day, maybe day and a half, and I I just couldn't put it down. I mean, as a work of history, it, it maybe is lacking, but as a gripping narrative of a struggle um, for the faith, really, um, it, it is compelling. Now, were there living people as well that influenced you that maybe as you look back, you think, you know, maybe Pastor so-and-so uh, set an example for me, or something else that might have put in your mind that you, you wanted to be a pastor or maybe should be a pastor? I wish that I could look back and say that there was a certain pastor that sort of inspired me in that way, but looking back, I don't, I don't, I, I really don't think there was. Um, I think it, it, it was really a, um, a, a few friends that I made in college who were also on the, on sort of in the same position that I was thinking about, uh, the ministry, thinking about certain things going on, uh, in the church, um, interested in, in theology, and I think it was probably more uh, those, those, uh, those friends that I had that sort of were the initial impetus. And then as, as time went on and I began to meet and, and, and to talk to ministers and, and theologians about this, then it, there, there was a sense in which I came to understand what the ministry was and uh, what it required, uh, what, what sort of training uh, it involved. But there was... There was Really, in all honesty, there was really not, um, uh, for me growing up in the pew, I didn't look at Pastor X and say, well, I, I want to be like him someday. That just wasn't the way that, uh, that providentially God, uh, uh, God used my uh, early development. Sure. Now, and you have interest and had interest as a young man that uh, maybe everyone doesn't know about you. Yeah, you had pretty uh, considerable musical training, and you spent a lot of time um, learning an instrument. That's true. I started playing the piano when I was quite young, and then in eighth grade began um, uh, organ training, which um, I spent a lot of time on for a lot of years. And so uh, I was, uh, during high school and college and even through my seminary years, um, this was back in the day when you know there were still a lot of uh, organs in churches and you know people sang hymns to, to organs. And uh, all sorts of Sundays. I mean, I, it wasn't every Sunday, but there were periods in my life there where probably a majority of Sundays I was I was uh, I was up at the organ in church and Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and leading the congregation and singing. And um, there was a, a when I decided to uh, go to seminary after college, a lot of people would ask me, "Do you want to be a minister of music?" Because they assumed that I was going because in in, in a way to uh, pursue my uh, interest in, in, in playing the organ. So uh, I, was, I was up in the front of church uh, uh, a lot before I went to seminary or became a minister of the gospel. At least you, you became a little bit familiar with what, what the church looks like from, from that end of things. Well, I think that's true. It probably gave me a lot of experience being up in front of people. To this day, I, I really don't feel uncomfortable when I'm up in front of people um, talking and lecturing or teaching or preaching, and it probably was good that from a young age I was used to being up there and 
having people listen to me and and you realize nothing really bad would happen to you it uh i mean that's the i i know there are people listening to this right now thinking my worst fear is you know, and studies have shown you know, people's worst fear is getting up in front of folks. But it's interesting. You learned at an early age. It's, it's actually nothing really horrible happens. Well, I think it probably took a little time to uh, realize that. I, I can still remember one time, it was, a, it was a high school teacher of mine who was in a congregation where I was playing the organ, and he came up to me afterwards and he said, I didn't, I didn't notice you during this, the, uh, the service. And he meant that as a compliment. In other words, he would have noticed if I played a lot of wrong notes. But as long as I wasn't doing anything terrible, I just would kind of you're sort of like an umpire. kind of blend in, and you know, it it's probably good for the ego to. Uh, <laughs> well, it's like an umpire or a referee. If you you know you the only time you notice them is when they do something nobody likes, and right. so no, that's good. Well, uh, so you 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 went through college, and um, and your what was your major? Mathematics. Okay, so you you so your college training really forced you to be disciplined. Uh, to develop some, I would think, pretty rigorous study habits and, and to think clearly, right, in order to that's right. earn a math degree. So that, in some ways, that's, um, that's good preparation for, for what you're doing now. So, so you decided to go to seminary. Why Westminster, California? And, and what happened when you got here? Well, I looked at uh, a number of the standard conservative reform seminaries and it's really hard looking back to remember exactly what the thought process was. I think if a few different things happened providentially, I could have ended up somewhere else. Um, at that point in life, it was it, it was hard for me to to make uh, a lot of real discerning judgments about uh, what the differences between seminaries would be. But uh, I like the uh, traditional Westminster, and this would apply to both Westminster, California, and Philadelphia. The 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 reputation for academic excellence uh, that the Westminster tradition had. Um, I also like the fact that um, there was uh, this concern for um, pastoral training uh, here at uh, Westminster, California. Um, I was uh, a member of the Christian Reformed Church, and there were several Christian Reformed uh, professors here, which was not the case uh, at a a number of other uh, Reformed seminaries. And so... uh, I made the decision to uh, come out to California. I th- thought it was probably the uh, the best option of, of the ones th- that I had, and in a lot of ways, I couldn't have expected exactly what I what I found. But uh, I I had a wonderful time when I got here, and uh, had had three great years. Um, came to appreciate uh, many of my uh, professors. It was uh, it was a time for me to be exposed to other uh, streams of the Reformed tradition that I that I hadn't. Um, been uh, brought up with, uh, so it was it was really a great experience, both for me to obviously learn theology, uh, but also to uh, gain an appreciation for it for the church and to get a sense for what uh, what the gospel ministry is all about. What do you, what do you think the biggest change was for you uh, going to seminary? What uh, was it intellectual? Was it spiritual? Or can you can you distinguish the two? Well, it is it is really hard for me to to distinguish the two because. The, the 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 growth that I had intellectually, uh, coming to have uh, the uh, the hermeneutical, the systematic, the biblical theological categories that I was taught here as a student, uh, to me was always very enriching spiritually. It, there, there was just it, it was it wasn't as if I had to to try extra hard or I had to do something in addition to sort of. Uh, 
get my emotion involved with it or something. Um, I love the studies, and to to be able to see God's word more clearly was just a a, a very encouraging thing for me in in every sense. Um, so, I would say that it was a it was a holistically enriching experience being uh, at the seminary, and it it really made me love God's word more and to understand it better. And that is, you know, that's that's at the very center of of of, of who we're supposed to be as Christians. Scott Clark here with the third Office Hours giveaway code. The code is WSC1980. That's WSC1980. Be one of the first 10 people to email us at officehours at wscal.edu. And we will send you two free admissions to our January 2010 faculty conference, Christ, Kingdom, and Culture. Be sure to send us your name, your postal address, mention that you heard this episode, and mention the code wsc 1980 to win. Now back to our office hours interview. Was there a moment uh, when you were here when you knew, all right, I I have to be a pastor. This is what I'm called to do. I need to be a minister of the Word. I need to teach the Word, preach the Word. Um, how, how did that happen for you while you were here? Well, I, I, I can't look back to say that there was a particular moment. Uh, I think really it was a it was just a combination of of uh, experiences, as as I mentioned um, to uh, in response to one of your previous questions. Uh, when I, when I first became very interested in pursuing seminary education, it wasn't so much that I I had this real sense of a calling to the ministry, so much as a concern for theology and a concern for the well being of the church. And as I was uh, in seminary, and uh, I began to have some opportunities to uh, exhort, uh, to uh, teach Sunday school and catechism classes, um, I I enjoyed that work. It was it was uh, it was satisfying. It was fulfilling. There was a lot of encouragement that I received from people in the church, from uh, ministers who were uh, overseeing me. Uh, I had a, a very interesting uh, uh, pastoral internship uh, the second summer that I was in seminary that was it, it was it was with a church that had gone through a, a real struggle uh, it was the kind of internship that probably on paper it could have been it could have been a disaster <laughs> uh, but as it turned out there there were really a lot of wonderful people in this church who who really wanted to to survive as a church even though they had gone through a very difficult situation with their previous pastor and uh, to me, to uh, to work for three straight months, and uh, there were there's no pastor on on uh, so you this were church. It. I, I was it, and to to do all the preaching and to visit most of the families in the church over that summer, uh, in their homes, and to uh, work with some of the young people of, of the church. Uh, it was that was the kind of experience that that uh, really it it did give me a sense of what the pastoral ministry was all about, and. Um, with the encouragement that I received, and I mean, there are obviously lots of challenges, but the the joy of doing that work and really being, uh, I, I remember preaching through uh, Philippians that summer, and just the uh, the experience of preaching through a book of God's Word and to be able to um, to present that to God's people. I'm sure if I went back now, I, you know, I would probably make a whole lot of critiques of my sermons that I that I gave then, but. Um, to, to be able to see how people, some some even some wounded people in the congregation were edified even by a, a young seminarian's student as he was trying to to minister God's word was 
just, I think, gave to me a, a sense that God's Word is powerful and that uh, perhaps I have some, some gifts that could be utilized in building up God's people. And really, so it was doing the work of the ministry that confirmed to you, hey, this is something I, I need to do. It, it, it led you along the way. All right, so you, you went through some, and, um, but you didn't finish your education here. You, you went on. Where, where did you go after you left Westminster Seminary, California? Well, I moved back to Chicago. I was I was born and raised in the Chicago area, and you missed the snow. Uh yes, exactly. I missed the weather, the wind, the snow, and uh, I actually went to law school at Northwestern University. Um, it wasn't what ev- uh, all my professors here at Westminster wanted me to do, but I was I was pretty young when I graduated, and um, I wanted to to uh, pursue some more studies. And I had a lot of interest in the kind of work that I'm doing now, actually, which is relation of law and theology, sort of Christianity and culture kinds of issues. And I had a good opportunity to pursue legal training then. I had actually thought about law school years before, before I even decided to go to seminary. And I, I never intended to be a full-time practicing uh, attorney. I, I wasn't giving up on the idea of entering the... Um, ministry. But I figured that if I wanted to do some good work in issues of law and theology, issues of Christianity and culture, it'd be really helpful if I got some some other training. And I thought also, too, maybe I could be of some practical use for, uh, uh, for the church if, if I had this training. So I went to law school. Uh, as I went uh, through law school, I also I kept preaching on a very regular basis. I was, I, was, I, was, I was licensed, and so I would continue on a lot of Sundays to be in the pulpit so I could continue to develop those, uh, those gifts. Um, I began, after my first year of law school, I began a THM program at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. You know, as I look back, it's, it's hard to imagine, uh, you know, how I did it. I would, uh, uh, we lived in... Uh, Evanston, north of Chicago, and uh, there were a lot of days where I would get up early, take the train downtown to where the law school was. I'd have a couple of uh, classes in the morning. I'd get in the train back up to Evanston. I'd get in my car, drive up to uh, Deerfield, and I'd have classes in uh, the afternoon. Um, so I was, I, was, I was young then, and uh, I had some energy. And so I was able uh, to—I uh, I think I received my JD and my THM about a, a, a week apart from uh, each other. So I was able to finish that. So in other words, I was, even while I was in law school, I was still, I was still very much involved uh, in the church and uh, in the study of theology. And I never, I, I never lost that, that goal that I had to be entering the ministry. And then from there, you did what? Well, from there, I uh, entered a PhD program uh, uh, at Loyola University, Chicago. There was um, the, there, there were some uh, pretty difficult, serious uh, uh, family uh, issues that I, I had that, that required me to stay right where we were. And um, uh, I, I uh, had, had thought about a PhD program at some point. Uh, Dr. Strimple, who's, I, who was my predecessor in teaching systematics at, at Westminster, I, you know, his name is in my, my, my uh, title now. Uh, he had encouraged me strongly to uh, to, to keep uh, pursuing theological training, and so uh, for a lot of providential reasons, I ended up uh, entering a PhD program at that time. And so, um, just um, at 
Loyola University of Chicago, which was not far at all from where um, where we were living. Uh, I began that program in 1998. So, and even uh, along the way, we had um, uh, joined Grace Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Hanover Park. In fact, I think the first the first Sunday we were there is the first day I met you because you and your family were worshiping there at the, at, at that time, and. Um, um, I was uh, called uh, by that church and uh, ordained in 1999 to be serving them uh, on a part-time basis while I continue to be a full-time graduate student. When you when you say called to serve them, uh, it it wasn't just theoretical. You were act, actually involved in in uh, the work of the ministry. Talk about that for just a minute. I was I, I was um, I was called as a assistant pastor. I was uh, ordained by our um, presbytery and. Um, uh, I was I was involved with you know the the, uh, the regular pastoral work there. I I I, I preached um, involved with home visitation and uh, session meetings. And uh, one of the particular things that I did was uh, to uh, start a, a a Bible study on the uh, North Shore of uh, uh, Chicago, where there was really no Reformed church uh, in the area and. Um, we we met first in Wilmette, then in Evanston, and um, trying to build up a uh, uh, a group there. So doing sort of some you might call a certain kind of missionary work, um, uh, and that was all going on while I was a, a graduate student. And so it was very, uh, it, I think it was very good for me. I, I I really enjoyed being a pastor, and I really enjoyed being a scholar. And to be able to do both of those things at the same time, have those opportunities, was was um, was great, and I can remember thinking while I was doing that, it'd be great if I could continue sort of somehow being a pastor and being a scholar for the rest of my life. And um, I think, and lo and behold, uh, I uh, right when I was beginning to work on my dissertation, um, I got a call, or I was maybe contacted by you even, perhaps. I think you were you were serving as academic dean, and I was asked if I would uh, submit an application in the light of an opening in systematic theology. And um, so I did and was uh, hired to come out here. And um, I think this is the perfect kind of place to someone to be a pastor and a scholar. And you have been. I mean, since you've been here, you, you've been active in a, in a local OPC church plant here in Escondido that meets on, on the campus of the seminary, worships in the chapel on the, on the, uh, on the seminary grounds. Um, Tell us a little bit about your your current work, uh, the kinds of things you're involved in. Uh, for example, I know you you've uh, just got back from a sabbatical, and you were you were in Atlanta, and I, I presume you were doing more than just enjoying the sunshine and and eating uh, Chick Fil A. Uh, yes, uh, I was doing a little bit more than that. Uh, I guess I did go to Chick Fil A a couple of times. Krispy Kreme. No, no, I'm not really a Krispy Kreme guy. Um, I probably should have played golf a little bit more than I did. Um, but I, I uh, went to Atlanta with my family for uh, almost four months while I was uh, on, on sabbatical. I was a visiting fellow at the Center for the Study of Law and Religion at Emory University. And it was really a, a great experience. Uh, I was able to do uh, a lot of research and a lot of writing, uh, great library resources there. There are a number of interesting scholars there that I was able to uh, get to know. And I think just the break from the regular routine was good, and was uh, it was a refreshing 
and yet very productive experience uh, at the same time. What was the project that you were working on particularly? Well, uh, can you say? Is it top secret or? Uh, no, it's not exactly top secret. It's um, uh, as you certainly know, and uh, as probably a lot of listeners will know, I, I, I have this longer term project uh, on uh, the reform doctrines of natural law and the, the two kingdoms. And uh, I, was per- I was pursuing uh, two future book projects uh, on these topics. One aim for more of a popular audience and one more for an academic audience. Um, so one of these books, the uh, popular book, will be um, uh, should be out in fall 2010, and the other academic book, I don't know yet when that's going to be uh, ready to go, but there are, uh, there are um, I have a, there's also a, a, a historical study of the Reformed tradition on these topics that should be coming out actually later uh, in 2009. So uh, it's part of a larger, a, a larger, longer-term project that I have, and I was able to, to make some good progress in researching and thinking and writing about these things. All right. So these are things that uh, people will want to be uh, keep an eye out for uh, at the Westminster Seminary California Bookstore. They can uh, keep an eye out, look for those titles, and when they come out, uh, the seminary will let people know. Publisher. I hope the seminary lets people know. <laughs> yeah, the seminary will, and uh, and uh, will... Uh, I'm sure there'll be a notice on the on the website, and and uh, they'll be available in the bookstore. Well, David, it's been a lot of fun to uh, to sit and talk and to uh, remember uh, some things and to hear some things that uh, learn some things that I I had I did not know, um, and I'm I'm grateful for your time. Well, that's it for this edition of Office Hours. We'll be back next month for another episode. You can listen to Office Hours online or subscribe and download it to your iPod or your MP3 player. Go to wscal.edu and click on Westminster Audio. For more information about Westminster Seminary, California, please visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 888 888- 480-8474. Copyright 2009, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to our website is preferred.